American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about how James Longstreet, Robert E. Lee's old warhorse, suffered rejection from his fellow Southerners, but found a home in the Catholic Church. Longstreet was born to an Episcopalian family in 1821 in South Carolina and spent his early years working with his father on the family farm. He was clearly a hard worker from an early age because his dad gave him a rather interesting nickname. Yeah, his father noticed his rock-like character and started calling him Kefa. Okay, not Kefa, but Pete, which I'm told is Southern for Kefa. And the name Pete stuck. Like a rock. Even General Robert E. Lee called him Pete. So that's just a little Catholic foreshadowing by dear old dad. You know, you're ridiculous. Yes, I am. Are you petered out yet? <laughs> Ooh, well played. Anyway, um, so I mean, he became Pete, so he had to become Catholic eventually. His name was changed. So anyhow, Pete goes to West Point where he wasn't an especially good student. Right. He graduated 54th out of 56. Well, while there at West Point, he became good friends with a number of guys who would become Union generals in the Civil War, including Ulysses S. Grant. Longstreet and Grant were actually stationed together in Missouri at the beginning of their military careers. Longstreet was a groomsman at Grant's wedding, and Grant married a distant cousin of Longstreet, so they remained lifelong friends. But when the Civil War broke out, Longstreet resigned his commission in the U.S. Army and joined the Confederate cause. Yes, he didn't want to do so, and he actually called it a sad day. But he felt that the states had a right to secede, and if his home state of South Carolina voted to do so, he would basically obey the call to defend that decision. So he reported to Richmond and was made a brigadier general in the new Army of Northern Virginia. He quickly distinguished himself as a competent leader of infantry and eventually rose to lieutenant general, becoming one of the most important Corps commanders under the man, the myth, the legend, Robert E. Lee. When General Thomas Stonewall Jackson died at Chancellorsville, Longstreet actually became Lee's right-hand man. Longstreet, already known as Pete, came to be known as Lee's old warhorse because of his reliability and readiness for every fight. And then Longstreet was actually second in command at the Battle of Gettysburg, and his decisions contributed to the doomed Pickett's Charge, the complete and utter failure of which sealed the Confederate defeat at Gettysburg. But he wasn't solely responsible for that defeat. No, not at all. There had been a lack of communication between him and Lee overnight and into the morning, and that was followed by some snap decisions. Longstreet greatly protested the planned assault, so when he gave the final order for Pickett's division to march to their eventual destruction, he himself was just following orders given to him by Lee. That loss mostly spelled the end of the Confederate cause. Longstreet, fairly or not, was blamed for the disaster of Pickett's charge, and that would follow him for the rest of his life. So after Lee's surrender at Appomattox Courthouse in 1865, Longstreet went with his wife to live in New Orleans. Yeah, he certainly didn't have political aspirations, but he joined the Republican Party, which had been founded just a few years earlier to oppose slavery. Longstreet, like most Southern generals, expected to be arrested and tried for treason any day, but that day didn't come. The Reconstruction program sought to unite the country, and the victors, particularly generals like Ulysses S. Grant, recognized that harshly punishing the major figures like Lee and Longstreet would make it harder to heal the wounds of division. Right, and it's important to note that most Confederate officers followed the example set by both Lee and Longstreet, accepting defeat peacefully. 
they did not support any sort of ongoing guerrilla warfare to undermine the peace and keep the war going. The Union had won. They would support it. Right. Most wanted to contribute to the recovery and healing. So encouraged by his old friend, Ulysses S. Grant, Longstreet applied for a pardon, but President Andrew Johnson, who was a Democrat, refused. In a meeting with Longstreet, President Johnson told him that he, Robert E. Lee, and Confederate President Jefferson Davis were the only three people whom he could not pardon because of how much trouble they'd caused the Union. But in the end, that didn't matter because Congress, which was heavily Republican, took action on its own and restored his citizenship in 1868. And later that year, his old buddy, Ulysses S. Grant, won the presidency on the Republican ticket. Yes, and six days after Grant was inaugurated in 1869, Longstreet was appointed the surveyor of customs at the Port of New Orleans, and eventually he was given a number of other positions in the federal government's reconstruction efforts, spending time in charge of the police force in New Orleans and as head of the Louisiana militia. Later in life, he was even appointed ambassador to the Ottoman Empire. Wow. But let's stick to his time in New Orleans right now. During his time in charge of security and policing in Louisiana, he actually commanded a troop of black militia soldiers to put down a rising by a group called the White League. This happened in 1874. Yes, and Longstreet was actually wounded in that battle and was locked up as a prisoner in his own customs house. He was kept there for three days until federal troops arrived and forced the White League from the city. And a year later, for the sake of his own health and the safety of his wife and seven surviving children, he moved to Georgia. Right. So let's review. He was blamed by most Southerners for the defeat at Gettysburg, which ultimately meant losing the war. He became a Republican, which was the party of Abraham Lincoln. He used black troops against Southern whites, and he accepted multiple positions with the federal government. I'm really not sure what more he could have possibly done to have made his own life more difficult in the post-war South. Seriously. But you'd think all of that would be set aside at the church door, that when people came together to worship God, they would set aside such partisan and temporal differences, but that was not so. Longstreet noticed that when he went to church, again, he was a lifelong Episcopalian, the pews around him would empty. No one wanted to sit near him in church. He'd become such a pariah. And a Catholic priest, Father Abram Ryan, came to know about this and invited Longstreet to come to the Catholic church. He assured Longstreet that he would not face such treatment at Mass, telling him that when Catholics came to church, they came to worship God and not to give vent to political animosities. And Father Ryan was certainly one who could speak to such a figure as Longstreet, because while Pete was one of the more important generals in the Confederate Army, Father Ryan had been a chaplain in the Confederate Army, and through his extensive writings, actually came to be known as the poet-priest of the South. What this really makes me think of, this a relationship between Father Ryan and Longstreet is the accompaniment that Pope Francis and others talk about, that we are called to meet people where they are and walk with them toward Christ and his church. Certainly. And one thing led to another, and James Longstreet, the old Episcopalian, lived up to that Pete nickname his dad had given him, and he was received into the church in March of 1877. Longstreet lived another 27 years as a devout Catholic. His wife Louise died in 1889 after 41 years of marriage, and he spent the first half of the 1890s writing his memoirs, mostly to refute the attacks on his war record. In 1897, he remarried. His second wife was a devout Catholic, Helen Dorch, and she was about 40 years younger than he. Helen Dorch Longstreet was an amazing woman who became known as the Fighting Lady. Among other things, she was the author of George's Dorch Bill, which made it legal for a woman to serve as the state librarian. We'll definitely be talking more about the Fighting Lady in a future episode of American Catholic History. Certainly. After James Pete Longstreet died in 1904, 
Helen Dortch Longstreet would spend much of her remaining 58 years working to rehabilitate his name. And if you look at contemporary accounts of the Civil War, it is clear she succeeded. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. This is Dom Bettinelli of the StarQuest Production Network, and we need your help. Over the past year, we've grown by leaps and bounds. Some of our podcasts, like Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, are among the most popular shows we've ever produced. But that success is in danger. Creating a dozen shows has caused our expenses to rise, and right now we aren't making ends meet. We must reach the financial break-even point if we're going to continue. If our reserves are depleted, we'll have to cut back many of our shows. We might have to shut down entirely. That's why it's crucial we hear from you right now now. Please go to sqpn.com slash give and click the become a patron button to make your monthly pledge. If you're already a supporter, please consider increasing your pledge. The need is urgent, so please go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give.